guys, welcome to my podcast, Top Horror. So, in this podcast, we're going to be talking about the highest grossing horror movies and why they did so well. So, first I want to start off by, we're going to go probably, it's really going to be around 10 episodes, um, starting, you know, with the top list. So, just to kind of give you an overview, the first one we're going to do is on um, the newest It movie, even though one is coming out, we're going to do it, um, on, we're going to do it on the 2017 It, um, there was one made in the past, but it is not, it did not do as well as this one actually did, so, um, kind of what made this, you know, the top, was that it had, you know, horror elements. It also had the cinematography was really, really well done. And it kind of appealed to, you know, the older generation that watched um, the old It that came out in 1990. And they also had, like, the teenage generation that watched it, you know, in this, you know, this year. I, I was 17 when I watched it, but I know that my parents watch the original one and for this one the second one is coming out you know it's based on the book that um the Pennywise person appears again so um the reason why this was good I'll just read some of the reviews if you just google reviews on it chapter one it's it is a mix of a few scary moments backed up by good situational comedy not the most unpredictable guessing game but entertains with the clarity required so that one kind of debunking it is it has comedy and who doesn't love a good comedy mixed in with horror? Um, usually that that is a good combo for any movie, you know, for any horror movie. Mix a little bit of comedy in there to get the people, you know, their heart rates are going. This will help them calm down. So <laughs> another one is by Mark Kermode from The Guardian. He writes... The first in a two-part adaptation of the killer clown book has a soft spot for its troubled young heroes. So that's kind of saying, you know, um, it has it has a backstory. It's not just a straight horror movie, just with straight filled. It it has a backstory and it helps, you know, make the character feel like they can relate to something, like the audience can relate to something. Um, so that's always good. Another one from Paul AC says a bevy of children star in it, but it'd be ill-advised to watch it. I don't even know. Another one writes, another one writes Michael O'Sullivan from the Washington Post, so a very credited, um, you know, site. It says, call it a symphony of orchestral meta-horror, an elaborate waking nightmare in which you, as the dreamer, are constantly reminded of what the film was trying to do and yet are powerless to stop it. Um, so I watch this one and I totally agree with this. Um, in this movie, just to give a little bit clarification, it does, um, make you feel like you are like trapped in the movie along with the characters. They, um, let's see, how could you say it without spoiling it? The characters get haunted by their worst nightmares and that's how the villain kind of makes his appearance he scares the kids, you know? So that's a good one. Um, 
Emily Yoshida, kind of along the same path, says, The filmmaking also takes on a kind of other-dimensional quality, a truly alternate reality from which it feels like there's no escape. Like I said, the way that the movie is done, it feels like you are trapped in it, you are fully encased in the movie, and that is always a good a good way for people to um, connect with a movie. It's a good way to make, you know, break the ice. It keeps, it's an icebreaker, you know. It keeps the people in. Another one, mm, let's see, more successful as a coming-of-age movie than a horror. It still ranks among the better Stephen King's adaptation, No Small Praise Indeed. That's by John Nugent. Um, yeah, it, like I said, coming-of-age, it has been in the works, you know, probably for a long time. People wanted to see it, you know, so now that it's out, it's pretty good. Um, no small praise. Yeah, it's amazing. So, Mahir Fadnavis says from the first post, a group of bullied kids band together when a monster taking the appearance of a clown begins hunting children. So, that's basically like the, the premise, you know. That's kind of what happens. Um, Rajiv Massad says, it is a spanking new cinematic stab at Stephen King's dense but solid horror tome fashioned as a coming-of-age adventure with creepy underpinnings. So those creepy underpinnings are, in this movie, the character will, like, step out sometimes and show his face. But that's, yeah, the reviews are mostly, those are the positive ones. We could go along the negative route and kind of see what people are saying. But before that, to begin with, you know, making sense, so you guys know what I'm talking about, I will just you know, explain the premise of the movie. So, um, let's see. The premise of the movie, if you just Google it, um, it just comes with the film tells of the story of seven children in Derry, Maine, who are being terrorized by the eponymous being only to face their own personal demons in the process. The film was directed by Andy Muschietti and written by Chase Palmer, Carrie Fukanaga, and Gary Duberman. So it is actually based on a book, Stephen King's It. Um, it's based, let's see what it says in Google. It is based on Stephen King's novel and was written on accumulation of ideas with its main character fashioned after serial killer John Wayne Gacy who performed at children's parties as Pogo the Clown. And if you guys don't know what that is, um, it's kind of a true story. Well, it is. There's a serial killer, John Wayne Gacy. Um, he would, you know, terrorize children. And John, he um, tortured and murdered at least three, 33 teenage boys and, you know, young men. And so this is kind of what the movie was around. He, he would do that, but then he would also dress up at, for charitable events, birthday parties, as Pogo the Clown. But then he was found to have murdered many, many people. They were all murdered by either asphyxiation, which is like suffocation, or strangulation. So that's kind of how this movie came to be. That's how they got the clown idea. That's how clowns first started becoming popular in the media. Um, people actually have, it is very well known that clowns are people's, one of people's biggest fear. They, like, you can ask anybody in a room 
that says, you know, who's afraid of a clown? And most likely half of the room will go up. The exact statistics are 12% of adults suffer from it. Um, but <laughs> this, this was like three years ago, basically. It's called like chlorophobia. Um, you know, people think that it increased it. The movie, it increased that fear. So that's kind of how it, you know, came to be. So at this point, I want to go to a um, specific website and, you know, see what they're saying. It's, um, see what the reviews say. So the movie, it takes place in the 80s. A lot of people like time era movies. They like those. And so I want a website called Dig. Um, Matthew Olson wrote it. Um, he wrote it, you know, when it came out September 6, 2017. He writes, the main change in this new it is that the time frame for the first half has been moved from the 1950s to the 1980s. Um, the first it was taken in the 1950s, so now it's just in the 1980s. Um, and the kids who have to fight Pennywise, a group of outcasts who call themselves the Losers Club, resembles the cute kids in the Goonies or Stranger Things. So it already resonates with other movies. The Goonies, that was a huge movie. Most people have seen it and love it. Um, you know, goes on to saying, let's see, at best it captures the very specific terrors of early adolescence. The stuff that feels all the more haunting because they're scrubbed clean from our idealized no notions of our youth. The stuff that happens in the corners where no one else is around to see. The stuff that maybe even happens at the very hands of the people who are supposed to protect you. Plus, you know, the occasional creepy painting or two. You know, that kind of happens. Um, another aspect that this article talks about, the Losers Club, the actors, ensemble is very well cast. So... The casting director has constructed a film that's just as much Dan by me as creative feature and casting director Rich Delia goes on, goes above the call of duty, assembling a group of youngsters who are every bit funny, irritating, and empathetic as a script requires. Um, Lairber and Lils, Lilis are particularly revelatory. Their flirtations warm and believable, and Lilis bears more than just a superficial resemblance to young Amy Adams. So Lilis is the girl Beverly. She's she's there's like a main girl in this show, and so um, it, this is kind of just showing an example that you know the characters were very well made done. That is what is a very big aspect to movies, you know. So at this point, I want to go to a um, specific website and, you know, see what they're saying. It's, um, see what the reviews say. So the movie, it takes place in the 80s. A lot of people like time era movies. They like those. And so I want a website called Dig. Um, Matthew Olson wrote it. Um, he wrote it, you know, when it came out September 6, 2017. He writes, the main change in this new it is that the time frame for the first half has been moved from the 1950s to the 1980s. Um, the first it was taken in the 1950s, so now it's just in the 1980s. Um, and the kids who have to fight Pennywise, a group of outcasts who call themselves the Losers Club, resembles the cute kids in the Goonies or Stranger Things. So it already resonates with other movies. The Goonies, that was a huge movie. 
most people have seen it and love it. Um, you know, goes on to saying, let's see, at best it captures the very specific terrors of early adolescence. The stuff that feels all the more haunting because they're scrubbed clean from our idealized no notions of our youth. The stuff that happens in the corners where no one else is around to see. The stuff that maybe even happens at the very hands of the people who are supposed to protect you. Plus, you know, the occasional creepy painting or two. You know, that kind of happens. Um, another aspect that this article talks about, the Losers Club, the actors, ensemble is very well cast. So... The casting director has constructed a film that's just as much Stand By Me as creative feature and casting director Rich Delia goes on, goes above the call of duty assembling a group of youngsters who are every bit funny, irritating, and empathetic as a script requires. Um, Lairber and Lil's Lilis are particularly revelatory. Their flirtations warm and believable, and Lilis bears more than just a superficial resemblance to young Amy Adams. So Lilis is the girl Beverly. She's she's there's like a main girl in this show, and so um, it, this is kind of just showing an example that you know the characters were very well made done. That is what is a very big aspect to movies. You know, 